All right, hey there, and welcome to episode 10 of We Can Do This. I really can't believe that we are crossing the 10 episode mark of this podcast. So thank you to everyone who has been listening. And if you haven't reached out yet, just to say hello, it would be really awesome to put some faces to some of the listeners of the show. Now, today, I'm really looking forward to this episode with Katrina Kibben. Katrina is the founder of Three Years Media and is also a keynote speaker, trainer, and writing expert who teaches hiring teams how to write job postings. Now, if you've ever tried to sit down and write a job posting, it is incredibly difficult. I actually know that because I'm putting together two positions right now. And finding the right words to communicate what you need and what problem this person is solving is actually really difficult. And to think that you need to write job postings that people will actually read and be able to discover online is actually really difficult. So Katrina is going to talk to us all about this and really give us a roadmap to follow, what kind of questions to ask yourself, how to write the job description, how to write the right title for the job description so people actually identify with what role they're looking for. All of these things and more are in the episodes. So sit tight because this is a really great episode. And I imagine if you're listening to this episode, you're building something, right? You're building a company, building an organization, building some sort of initiative. And for most people, the goal is to build something that goes beyond yourself, right? Isn't tied to your own time. So what that means is we're going to be hiring people, right? We're going to be bringing on team members, even if it's volunteers, knowing what volunteers to bring on. So this podcast is really relevant to nearly everyone that is going to be listening. And you're going to leave with some really great tips tactics, and like I said, a really roadmap to follow. And Katrina has a ton of really great resources on their website to help you cover all the bases. So let's jump in to this episode with Katrina Kibben. All right. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I am here with Katrina Kibben. Katrina is a keynote speaker, trainer, and writing expert who teaches hiring teams how to write job postings that attract the right people to your company. After over 15 years of corporate copywriting and training experience, Katrina knows how to inspire from on stage and offers practical tips and common sense takeaways that make talent teams better writers. Katrina's human approach to hiring inspires audiences to write for people instead of following best-in-class baselines that don't help candidates on the other side of the equation. They take a unique, strategic approach to help companies rewrite candidate experience content, overhaul job descriptions, and attract more qualified applicants. Katrina has been named a top HR and recruiting influencer and is a featured expert in publications like the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, and SHRM National. Before founding Three Ears Media, Katrina was a CMO, a technical copywriter, and a managing editor for leading HR, media, and technology companies like Monster.com, Care.com, and Randstad Worldwide. When not speaking, writing, or training, you'll find Katrina arranging flowers or hiking with the inspirations behind the name Three Ears Media, Katrina's two dogs named Lyric and Ruby. So Katrina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So first of all, after you're reading your bio, you talk about the inspiration behind your company. I don't think I've ever heard the full story. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So I jokingly tell people that everyone should name their company after their dogs because it gives you <laughs> full privilege 
to put pictures of your dogs on everything. Yes, you want. That's not why I named the company Three Ears Media. So Three Ears Media is named after two dogs with four ears. But my dog hmm. Lyric has one big ear that stands up and her other ear lays down. And my little Boston Terrier Ruby has two ears that always stand up. And the two of them are attached at the hip. Ruby didn't learn to walk for the first six months of her life. And so Lyric very much became kind of a support dog for Ruby. And when I started my company, full transparency, it was not some big life plan coming into fruition, nor was it well planned. It was a matter of two <laughs> weeks. And I remember doing a spin. I'm not even joking. I did a spin in my chair and I saw the dogs and I was like, that's it. We're three years. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that is uh, much more interesting than my own. Yeah, when I got similar, I just kind of like jumped off the cliff and started my business the same way. And my company name is not even worth mentioning. It's so boring and legally. <laughs> so if I had a dog at the time, I probably maybe I could have done that too. <laughs> Between you and me, I totally lied about the name for the first little bit of starting the company, Ray. I was like, three years. Yeah. Media. It means we listen more. I realized, you know what? <laughs> everybody loves dogs. Not everybody loves fables. Like, stick with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like I like the dog story. But thanks for being on the podcast today. For everyone listening, Katrina and I met a couple years ago in a mastermind group and have stayed connected. And I've really loved Katrina's work. Katrina works in the HR and recruiting space, which I don't know anyone else that works in that space. But more so importantly, I don't know anyone that makes that space sound interesting or worth caring about or worth really listening to. I, I love Katrina's content on social media and Katrina writes a newsletter and just great content there. So I really wanted to share it with you today. And so Katrina, if you want to tell us, how did you get into this world of both like HR and recruiting, but also like copywriting and job descriptions. Absolutely. So I always wanted to be a writer, but I didn't quite know how I would get paid to do that. And growing up mm -hmm. in a family of military teachers, there wasn't a lot of thinking outside of the box. So this surely was not on anyone's roadmap when yeah. I was young. And it, it wasn't on mine either. I thought I would grow up to be a teacher. And so I went to school for communications and I worked at an ad agency and that's where I got my first dose of copywriting because I realized that great ads are not just the beautiful image you see. It's being able to communicate a feeling in words, not paragraphs. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with that idea. I loved clarity and creativity and making that part of my work. And so I did not end up getting a job at the ad agency. I actually ended up working at a subsidiary of Kaplan Tutoring, where I taught kids four to 14 how to read. And you're like, okay, how did you get into recruiting from there? Well, I taught a little girl named Hope how to read. There's no irony in that name because her dad walked in one day and I kind of did this whole sales spiel for him. And at the end of the meeting, he gave me a really weird look. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't have a lot of business class at the time. I was 21 and still drinking yeah. weeknights. And he said to me, you know, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to work for me. I'll teach you. He changed my life that day. I wow. worked at a company that was basically LinkedIn without the networking component. So it was a great idea. How can we take the resume online? How do we create connection that way? But we missed that one key element, the connection. Hmm. So that kind of set me off on my path. 
to becoming a CMO. And I worked my way up with HR technology vendors, learning how to communicate with both sides, the recruiter and the candidate. And when I got to become a CMO, I hated it. I hated it so much because I didn't get to do any of the creating anymore. All I did was sit in a room and have people present ideas to me that I thought were okay, but not great. And give them thumbs up, thumbs down when all I wanted to do was write. And so I decided to take a step in a very different direction. Tell me if you have ever met anyone else with this career path. CMO, managing editor, technical copywriter, CEO. Yeah, you're the... It's different, right? (laughs) But the, the truth was I've always had this, I guess, passion for how we tell a story. And I realized very early on that in recruiting, so many of those problems could be solved by better writing. And so I started by getting my PhD in recruiting, becoming a managing editor. All I did was read and write about recruiting. I learned a lot, Mm -hmm. but then I wanted to do it. And that's what's been the last chunk of my career. And what really led me here was being a technical copywriter for these enormous companies and realizing that we could translate a feeling that you get every time you walk in into copy that tells the truth, tells a real story that lets someone on the other side know if they want to do this work and if they can. Mm -hmm. And that was really where three years media came from is this idea that if we can effectively talk about jobs in a job posting, in an email, a career site, that we can create access to work for people of all backgrounds and remove so many of the barriers that have kept talented people out of communities and work where they belong. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So a lot of our listeners, I mean, very few of our listeners actually feel like they should be freelancers forever. We might have some freelancers that are listening, but most people listening to this podcast are either starting a business or have their eyes set on taking their existing business and growing it beyond them, right? And some people might be in companies and they might be hiring employees or, you know, managing that process. So I'm really excited to have you on the show today because everyone who's really listening is going to someday, maybe now, maybe in the future, be hiring someone. They're looking to expand and grow a team or take this team and make it even larger, right? So this is like such a relevant topic for our listeners and even personally and selfishly, you know, one of the other reasons why I really wanted to have you on is because I'm in this process right now. I'm writing job descriptions for for new hires for my own company. So I am really curious to to hear your thoughts today and and what you share within your programs and your your one-on-one coaching. I know you you do actually like job posting rewrites, which we can talk about later too. So Say you're maybe someone listening to this podcast today and you have identified that you are ready to expand your team, right? You're either adding an assistant, you're adding some sort of, you know, job function to your team. What kind of questions should we be asking ourselves before we even begin writing the job posting, getting it out there? What are the kind of questions that we should be asking ourselves? I really appreciate that you're saying what questions should we be asking ourselves? Because I think most entrepreneurs start with answers. They mm. say, I need this job title. No, you don't. You, you're, mm. you're hiring someone to accomplish something. And so yeah. I really tell people, take one big step back. And the first question I want you to ask yourself is, if I make the best hire ever, 
They are amazing. I want to work with them for the rest of my life. What's going to be happening in six months that's not happening right now? Right. Start there by really designing the future, understanding what success looks like. Then you can start to understand who they are, the job title, and ultimately what you'll write in the job posting to get their attention in the first place. Hmm. So it sounds like there's got to be some sort of pain that we're experiencing right now in order to say, hey, I want to actually like take the money I could be putting towards something or I could be taking as profit and actually reinvesting in the company to solve this pain that I'm experiencing. Exactly. It also often aligns with acceleration or simplification. Mm. So looking at opportunities to take your model and accelerate a profitable area of your business or simplify a process that's not working well right now. In fact, Mm -hmm. that simplification is exactly why I hired my first virtual assistant. I realized Mm. that everything I was doing was very replicable, but I had not created the replicable elements to make my life easy. So that goal was, I want my systems to be more simple in six months. And that gave me a lot of clarity about the person who would sit in that role because it wasn't your traditional virtual assistant. There's probably some people listening that either gravitate in one of those directions. Like, am I looking to like accelerate things? I'm always trying to add on things and try to figure out how to, you know, kind of grow in that way. And there's some of us, I probably fall in this category of like, I just always want to simplify things, all the routine Things that we do every single week, I'm like, how do I, how do I earn time back in my life? Yeah. <laughs> and, but yeah, those are two really important things to think about too. And what's taking you away from revenue generating actions, right? Mm. So my second hire was someone to do marketing because I realized I was spending 15 to 20% of my week working on mm. marketing. And while eventually I could align a lot of that to revenue, it wasn't mm-hmm. instant. There was a higher value in me sitting on a sales call than there was me spending 30 minutes scheduling tweets, right? That's yeah. easy math when you actually take a step back and look at it. Yeah. And we may have done this exercise together of like the the four quadrants mm-hmm. where you talk about the things that you're you're good at and you love to do, the things that you aren't so good at, but you like doing. It's like a distraction. What are the things that you don't like doing, but you're kind of good at it? And then what are the things that you're just, you're got awful at and it's you just shouldn't be doing? And for me personally, the like to do, but it's a distraction box is the hardest one for me because mm-hmm. When I look at profitability in my business, that's always the opportunity area. And at the Mm -hmm. same time, it's very easy to lean into the wrong things. And I feel like that's why there's so much value to taking the time up front to ask the right questions and get that job posting right so that you don't have to worry that you missed something. Yeah. So so say we're beginning to ask these questions. We're saying... All right, what is the pain point or what is the thing that is distracting me and I'm trying to identify that so I can kind of outsource that or bring someone on the team to take care of that? Or we're just looking to like really to streamline what we're doing and I need someone to come alongside me and maybe do some administrative tasks so I'm not stuck in administration or something like this. Mm-hmm. We've identified, hey, I, I really can clearly articulate the problem that I'm experiencing right now that this potential hire might be able to solve for me. So we've answered some of the, these questions. What would be what would be next? It's time to write a job posting. All right. And so there's a lot to it. 
full transparency, right? We <laughs> spent the last three years running a company that 90% of what we do, right, job Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm going to give everyone the simple version, though. The first thing a job posting has, and this is literally the first sentence, is the impact of this person. What can you not do if they don't work here? So let me give you an example. The virtual assistant. As our virtual assistant, you'll help us streamline systems so we can grow. We can't grow without that action, right? It's that mm -hmm. simple. What's the impact of this person? The six month answer. Next thing you're going to do is list three things that person will do every single day. And the reason I do that is because I want us to be on the same page about three things, the most important three things, or I don't want you to keep reading. <laughs> I want to give yeah. you an opt out sentence two. It literally yeah. says every day you will this, this, and this. Yep. And the final sentence is to thrive in this role. You must, what do you absolutely 100% no negotiating have to know how to do to do this job every day. If you can accomplish just that, you have written a job posting that is 80% better than everyone else's, right? So <laughs> yeah. good, you're there. Next, you wanna include something about your company. It can be its own paragraph, it can be one sentence, I don't care, but you need to give them something. Yeah, where am I working? Why would I wanna work here? Right, you, you, it, it has a creep factor when you skip that part. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> need a little detail. Yep. The next paragraph, the next area is what you've seen on a million different job postings, and it's typically called requirements, but you're going to take a different approach. Mm. You're going to make a list, and then the subheading of that is not going to be generic. It's actually going to tell them why the list exists. <laughs> so let me give you two examples. The first one could be, here's what a typical day in the life might look like. Great. Give me five bullets that tell you what a typical day in the life might look like because we're going to set really good expectations about what this job is. Mm -hmm. Or if this is someone who's really focused on that end goal, right? You have something big for them. Maybe they're in sales or marketing in the next six months. This is how we'll measure your success. Mm. List the things that you already wrote down from the original thought process, the answers to those original questions. The reason we ask those questions is so that it's really easy to pull this job post together because you've already answered all of the critical elements that you need to build it. One note I would make is that it's very easy to go crazy. All of a sudden your job <laughs> yeah. posting starts looking like some rich kid's wish list and you're like, a pony, yeah. a rainbow. <laughs> yeah, and it's like bullet point city. Exactly. No more yeah. than seven. That's your limit. I want seven bullets or less. And here's why. There's a group called Textio that does analysis on language and really understanding how it influences outcomes. When mm -hmm. your posting is more than one third bullets, it psychologically influences women, black, indigenous, and people of color not to apply. Mm -hmm. Because traditionally, requirements have been stacked up against these groups to tell them you're not going to work out here. It's our bias coming out in our technique. Wow. And so one third visually or seven bullets is your new rule of thumb. No more. Yeah. Even like just hearing you share, share, and this you said is like the simple version. I think like every other job posting, I feel like I've read. I remember when I was back in the day when I was like applying for jobs and even now as I'm like, I'm probably guilty of this as I'm starting to write my own postings. 
is every posting feels like it reads like someone took a job posting and like copied it and then filled in the blanks and like did theirs and then someone copied that one and pasted it <laughs> and then someone copied it in that one and it just has gone through this like telephone game of everyone's just like copied someone's template and it just turned into something like corporate non-authentic like just nothing i would want to be a part of and you're just the questions that you're having us ask right here or like kind of like these statements or bullet points is already making me like think that this role is desirable <laughs> even though it's you've like removed a lot of the junk right it's just like these simple bare bones of like this is what you need to have this is what you need to be interested in and yeah i love this so far the goal of job posting is not to communicate every single detail that everyone could possibly need to know to have mm -hmm. this job. The goal of a job posting is to communicate enough information so that anyone, I mean a stranger on the street, you could walk up to out of the blue and go read this. Yeah. They can say, yes, I can do this work. Yes, I want to. Or no, I can't. No, I don't want to. If you accomplish just that, someone can read this and say yes or no, you've done enough. And I can promise you, if you start by copying and pasting someone else's job posting, you have already mm. failed yourself. These recommendations are very researched. So mm. as I've been working through this and learning this skill, I completed a 100 year study of job postings. Mm. I went to each decade because I had a hypothesis that our technique was driving more of the bias than our language. Hmm. There's a lot of technology in the market right now who will tell you it's all linguistics. This is a boy word and this is a girl word and you used too many boy words so you're only going to attract men, which mm -hmm. is actually true. They have studies to prove that. However, there's sure. another dimension here. And it's about our technique. And you just mentioned it, right? It looks like everyone's been copying and pasting each other for the last 100 years. Well, <laughs> guess what? That's true. Well, yeah. That's scary because I don't know about you, but I would not want to live in 1920. And the bias mm. that was used to hire in 1920 still exists in job postings today if you're going to take yeah. the same old tactics. Oh, it's so fascinating. I just, th that just made me think of, I actually had a, f a friend, like my best friend, text me last week and he had to put together some sort of uh, resume or something. And he was asking, what things should I avoid so that like the AI HR programs or something don't like just automatically toss my resume out? Mm -hmm. And it just made me think like, oh my gosh, like it's been a while since I've applied for a job. And there's just so much that's like getting in the way of recruiters or companies getting postings out as well as like actually the applicants from being able to actually submit a, a resume knowing that it's going to get like read or seen. And just for any job seekers who are listening, that whole idea behind getting auto rejected because of something in your resume, that's not mm -hmm. a real thing. So really? The reason you get rejected automatically is typically an input that you make in addition to your upload. So let me give you an example of an auto rejection system. You enter your zip code of where you live and the system automatically has a rejection set up because they expect the person to be in office that if your commute is too long, you get kicked out. It oh, has, really? Yes. 
Those rejection wow. systems aren't smart. <laughs> they, <laughs> they can't understand and they don't try to. What wow. they do is they take the, the mathematical inputs that you do give and that's what they use to auto reject. It's actually not the content on your resume. Wow. Unreal. It's, it just seems like there's between that plus just like how people are just the average job posting is just terrible. <laughs> it just seems like it's no wonder it's so difficult for companies to actually get the kind of talent that they're hoping for. Well, even worse, right? These entrepreneurs, we've never been trained to write job postings. I'm in a yeah. niche because literally that's all I do every day, but yeah. I've never met another one of me. That's for damn sure. Mm -mm. Right. And so we're going into it blind. Like, for example, how do you pick a job title? Most entrepreneurs have no idea how to do that. And here's the thing. If you don't pick the right job title, you'll never be found. And mm -hmm. So I did extensive research into how candidates look for work. So entrepreneurs get your pen. If you do not know how to write a job title or pick one right now. So the first thing you should know is all job titles are made up and you're about to make one up. But yep. the first thing you're going to do is take a guess. So go on Google and search the job title that you think this person should have and the word resume. Hit enter and go to the image search results. There you will find a bajillion resumes. If you would not hire one of the first 10 people, you probably have the wrong job title. As you start to narrow it down and you get it right, I want you to look for alternative job titles. What else were they called at other companies? And with that information, you go over to a tool called Google Trends, T-R-E-N-D-S, hmm. and you type in each of the job titles. It will literally tell you how popular each one is, and you want to pick the most popular one. That hmm. advice alone will completely change your pipeline because job titles are part of our identity, right? Back hmm. in the day when I was a CMO, mind you, I was 29, so I was super into it, right? I told everybody <laughs> I was a CMO. Your title <laughs> is your identity in this world. Yeah. What's the first question people ask you when they meet you? Hey, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. Right? We have to get the job titles right. And so even just that one tip, I feel like that can help everybody really get the right person to see it. Because like a tree falling in the forest, if no one sees your posting, it doesn't <laughs> matter how good it is. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I mean, that's like this so simple, such a simple thing that people can do and just get the job title right because i'm imagining for the people who are searching for job openings they need to be able to discover it but also if they find one that maybe they're qualified technically for and maybe it's something that would be like a bullseye job for them but if they can't like self-identify with the actual posting or like role that they would be walking into it just totally missed the mark then you're going to miss out on great talent. You nailed it. Whenever I'm presenting this to a room full of talent acquisition recruiters, right? I'll ask, mm -hmm. all right, who here would apply to a recruiting associate job if your current title <laughs> is director of recruiting? No hands go up. <laughs> well, what if I tell you that's just how we title it at our company? It's actually a director of recruiting role anywhere else. It's just what we call it. And they're just laughing at me because no, <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. You have to get the job title right. So that's even making me think of like, you know, past jobs that I've had or, you know, past jobs that friends of mine have had in some companies. I mean, this is I imagine this is a thing that some people actually give people job titles as a way to kind of keep them in so that they can move on to another company because they don't want them to be using a more senior type job title. Exactly. One of my first corporate jobs, I worked at monster.com and I was a social mm -hmm. media ninja. 
And I will never forget the day a recruiter called me. And he goes, what the hell does a ninja do? Oh my God, it's like a trigger word. I can't stand the word. I got lucky because the company that he was recruiting me to, they just wanted people who worked at monster.com. So the guy called me anyway. But in reality, you actually put your team at a significant disadvantage when you make up Mm -hmm. titles. There are Mm. no gurus. There are no samurais. You don't want a rock star to show up. They're usually hungover (laughs) and really tired. Like, stop. Stop with the creativity. I love it. Yeah. Be clear. Be accurate. Don't get all cute or yes cliche and i love it awesome okay so i mean that exercise alone was probably worth someone listening to this episode and saying i'm just gonna get the job title right <laughs> okay so we have the job title then now now what do we do yeah so i'm assuming you're going to post it out the first thing i would do as entrepreneurs i'm assuming that you have a decent network Mm-hmm. Most people who start a company start because they know they have someone in their network that can help them. And so I would take that first paragraph we talked about, the three sentences, the impact, everyday life, and to thrive in this role. I would share that on your social media. Traditionally, I would post it on LinkedIn, but of course it depends on the role. And I would mm-hmm. say, who did you think of? Post it out there. Don't say, I'm hiring a job title. Who No, I want you to say, who do you think of when I say this and post that paragraph, see what comes up. Do not go out and pay for traffic first because referrals are the number one source of qualified employees Mm. that stay. They have a 70% more likelihood to work out. And I want to say in the thirties or 40% that would make them stay longer than the average person start. Amazing. So someone going through this, you know, going through a referral or something, having that come in your way through a, you know, a strong contact or something, you may be able to avoid even like paying for any exposure or even going through the lengths of like uploading these to like several job boards. Exactly. Never start on job boards. Because remember, that's, that's like throwing a penny in a lake and being like, I'm going to find it. Right. (laughs) You are up against some of the biggest companies in the world with the biggest budgets in the world side by side. And that's not a competition I want to go into. Not right now. There's too much demand for work. I mean, how many companies are talking about how they can't hire anyone and they have so many roles that are going unfilled? You're one of them. I'm even thinking like every job I've ever had has been through a referral. I've never like applied through a website or anything. And I imagine that could almost be telling in some ways of if you're actually are sharing through your network or something and you're not getting any bites there might be something wrong with this position or this job description or like why wouldn't people refer <laughs> like is there something about your company that isn't i don't want, i don't want to refer anyone to work there <laughs> yes the second place that i've had a lot of success as far as hiring is i've used my marketing channels so yeah. i wrote a blog about the proofreader I was hiring. I wrote an email to my audience. And the cool part is that your fans are so excited that you're growing, they cannot wait to help you with a referral. So Mm, I sent out an email and I got 82 applications in (laughs) two hours from friends. Yeah, People I already trust. And people who already read my work know what we do. 
know how we do it, that we're not super stuck up, right? I don't have to explain anything to them. I just have to tell them I'm hiring because they already know me. Honestly, I've never had to go the next step, which is post to some kind of job board or community board. If you use your marketing channels and really focus on those referrals, you will find great candidates. Yeah, that's fantastic. It it reminded me, I I saw someone I follow on Twitter post a, a job posting the other day. And they got like 300 retweets. It was just like mind blowing. The person the next day tweeted, I just got (laughs) way more applicants than I needed. So thanks everyone for retweeting, sharing. So I like that with the marketing channel approach that gives people the ability to share that tweet, that Facebook post or whatever to someone who would be a good applicant. Yes. Here's a fair warning because I've made this mistake gloriously. Just because (laughs) I'm an expert in recruiting doesn't mean I do everything right the first time. I've tweeted a job without enough clarity and I've gotten a lot of unqualified applications. And then you have to go through all these. (laughs) Exactly, Sean. So I would say two things. One, be very, very thoughtful about what you say and be very explicit in that. But two, only share it on channels where there is a good feedback mechanism. So like Mm -hmm. for me, I use Twitter because I feel like there's a really good feedback mechanism. I can read the ads and there's DMs. If I post something on my blog, there's not a great right. mechanism unless I create one, a form, yeah. an email, or whatever. Yeah. So just be thoughtful and also to your preference. Some people don't like digging through DMs, right? I, I prefer to get things in my email so that I can stay organized and I can have hmm. my team help me. <laughs> so think about that side too, because you should be responding and actually talking to every person who applies, whether they get an interview or not. Awesome. Okay, so it sounds like if we essentially follow what you have laid out here so far for us, the, you know, the win would be we open up our email or whatever that preferred channel is, like you said, and we just have a stack of qualified applicants, right? Yep. And now we're ready to kind of begin this interview process. Like it's actually it's happening now. We we find the find the candidates. Um, we're ready to jump on. Who knows what it is these days? A, a Zoom call, a phone call. It might be in person. How do we approach this now that we have? Hopefully these, you know, really qualified candidates in front of us. All right. So we're going back to our questions again. And we're going back to those deal breakers. What are the must have? You must have experience doing X, working with Y, doing whatever, right? Put that in an Excel sheet down the left Mm -hmm. column. List those things out. What are the absolute must have to get this? Then I want you to go through each one of those. Actually put them across the top. I always mix mm. up these things in Excel. Put them across the top. <laughs> uh, left, right. Then put the names down the left side, go through each one, and see if they meet all criteria. That's number one. Don't look for anything else. No nice to have, no little notes. Ideally, it is not the person making the hire. So for me, my business manager reviews all applications before I am presented with a slate. And a mm. slate is a list of only qualified people. Right. And so first things first, make sure they meet the minimum qualifications before you get all biased over. Well, they went to my college and they got referred yeah. from so-and-so and yeah. no. make sure that choice is made. Then you're going to scale it down. Then at that point, take a second to message every person who's not getting an interview and to tell them we will not be having an interview. I know mm. that feels hard and it feels like rejection, yeah. but please do it. It's yeah, so needed. Ghosting people is so much worse. Now, you have a short list. We're going to start booking some phone screens. 
book 30 minute phone screens and you're going to ask them for examples of the time that they did all the things that they have to do to thrive. Hmm. Again, we're going to shorten that list. So let's say you're at 10 at that point, you phone screen 10 for 30 minutes. We're going to cut that list down to three. The reason I do three is it's easier to make a decision than five, seven, Mm -hmm. (laughs) truly. I cut it down to three. And then traditionally, I will have them basically talk to anyone. And mind you, this is a small company. This does not apply to a big company. So if you work Mm -hmm. at some huge organization, do not do what I'm about to say. If you are (laughs) one of, like, my company is six people. So you will speak to anyone that you regularly engage with. So if you're a virtual assistant, you're going to speak to me and a project manager. If you're a bookkeeper, you're going to talk to the business manager and me, Mm. right? And I'm thinking about who you're going to talk to at least twice a week. Those are the people you should be interviewing with. And then the people they interview with will sit down and have a conversation just like the one Sean and I are having right now. Mm -hmm. We just talk through each person. You're going to talk through the details. What do I think they will be great at? What do I think that they'll have to learn? And decide what you're willing to teach. Hmm. Then you make an offer. Keep it quick. So to clarify, um, when you said, so let's say I'm hiring a a designer and they're going to interface with a project manager a whole lot. So are they doing a a call or an interview with me and that project manager or just a project manager? It depends on your style. Hmm. So for me, I expect everyone to work autonomously. And we collaborate on the final project. So we would do like a brainstorm. Then you're kind of doing the work we review. That's my company. It's a value. It's how we operate. So to me, I want you to work with each person individually because that's how you will work with them. Versus let's say I was starting a consultancy and I took three consultants into every project and we traveled together, ate together, showed up to every meeting together, did every presentation (laughs) together. We would do a group interview. The whole thing. Got it. Awesome. Cool. Okay. And then we're getting down to the moment, right? You've extended this offer. Any quick tips on how to do that? Or I love that you said, make it quick, right? Like don't, don't make this some drawn out process. Because here's the reality, right? You have a certain level of urgency. And if someone really can't make an interview work on your timeline, they probably won't have the flexibility to work out in your company either. So Hmm. set your calendar up front these two weeks, you will make exceptions, but truly, okay, these two weeks, I'm going to do these interviews, this four day window, I'll do this on the fifth day, we're going to do our meetup. And on the Monday, I'm making an offer, right? You can do that. Mm -hmm. You're the boss. Stop. (laughs) You have to follow some like corporate America, fortune hiring guide. We are the bosses. We get to decide. And I think when it comes to making the offer, I would reiterate One, work with your lawyers. Make sure that you have all your paperwork in order. Make sure that you have all your contracts Mm -hmm. in order. Be smart. Make sure that that hire does not influence your insurances or what you need. I'm very, very blessed to have a business manager who is a former Mm -hmm. HR person to teach me all Mm -hmm. that. For example, workers' comp. It prevents, Mm -hmm. let's say I have five contractors working for me pretty full-time. A workers' comp policy can actually help prevent you from getting sued by those Mm -hmm. contractors. So just a, just a high level example. And so I would tell you one, make sure your paperwork is in order, make sure you understand your policies. And when you're communicating with them, be very, very explicit in the same way we were with the job posting. 
we will have a 90 day check-in at that point i expect we will accomplish the following here's your pay here's the day we're starting this is when you're onboarding right spell mm -hmm. it all out the way that i help people remember what to say in this moment is treat it like you're talking to your best friend and they asked you for help what mm -hmm. would you tell your best friend mm -hmm. because often i think people forget details in the like trying to like button up their life <laughs> I don't even know how to yeah. explain it. Like <laughs> trying to be overly professional. And the consequence is that they don't communicate the details they should. So always yeah. write like you were talking to your best friend and they asked for help. Got it. Oh, that's so good. And it, it gives a level of decency and just like this common courtesy of things that this person is actually going to need to know. Yes. That's so good. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, I mean, this has been incredible. Like I'm sure I'm hoping people are like listening to this, writing down these things, and they're going to like go write their job posting <laughs> like, yeah. after our, our episode. So say I've listened through this whole episode, and maybe I've even started to do some of the things. I've gone through like step one, step two, and I'm uh, like, I'm starting to, I'm just overwhelmed at the the job title part. or I'm overwhelmed at the idea of like sifting through these applications or something. If I'm still at a point of overwhelm, what do I do? Yeah. So I would tell you there's a self-guided and there's a Katrina guided option. <laughs> so the self-guided option, if you go to bit.ly slash free job rewrite, I have a tutorial book that'll walk you through how to write a job posting and just give you the little bit of extra detail that you might not get from listening on a podcast. Mm -hmm. I believe that everyone should be a job post expert and I give away most of my ideas for free between that book, the three years media website and my YouTube channel. So feel hmm. free to like go on your journey if you're feeling budget yeah, conscious. Go wild, consume everything. <laughs> go crazy. Yeah. If you want to do it in an hour, you call me. Yep. And so Got what it. I do is what I call a one-on-one -on -one job rewrite session. And what we do is we spend 30 minutes with me asking you those questions. I'll write the things down and you can ask me questions too. You can ask me, you know, is this a manager or a director? Or is it realistic for me to find someone with all of these skills and I can help you? Because my team, we write hundreds of job postings every single month. I know this talent market better than anyone. And then, this is the cool part, by the end of the session, you not only walk away with that advice, but you walk away with a job posting in hand. You write your job posting from beginning to end in that one hour session so you know you have the job title right and hmm. you know what to do if it doesn't work because I'm a planner and I'm very type A. I will give you the if this, then that, 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 that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. So that gives us a plenty of options. We got the kind of the DIY version and then we have the ability to work with someone that has true expertise in the space and not just you, but you, you have a team behind you. So there's a lot of a lot of knowledge and, and experience there. So cool. So I'll definitely include everything that you just shared. We'll include that in the show notes. So there might be people listening that are ready and, you know, excited to, to post their first posting or their first quality posting that they've ever posted. Or some people are just going to literally, I hope, bookmark this episode, kind of put it in their back pocket and say, when the time comes to write that hire, because I'm, I'm just not I'm not quite there yet. They're going to know exactly where to go and who to call. Because like you said, I don't know anyone else <laughs> um, that I've talked to that a has experience in this world and b like that is what they do right so this is what you do and so there isn't a better resource out there than to 
go through these guides or you know, put a call on the calendar and, and, and do one of these job rewrite sessions. But Katrina, thank you so much for being on this episode. I, I, there's a ton of value here. Is there anything else that you want to share with us before we close up? I mean, I'm the only Katrina Kibben in the world. So if you spell my name right, <laughs> find me. Got it. But again, thank you so much. It was really exciting to to chat with you today. And I know that you're going to help a lot of people that are listening. So thanks again. Thank you. Appreciate it, Sean. All right. What a great episode with Katrina Kibben. Like I mentioned into the open of this show, I'm actually in the mindset of hiring right now. In my business, there's a lot of hats that I wear and I'm looking to build something that really goes beyond me, right? So I'm writing two job descriptions. So I am going to follow to a T everything that Katrina just said, because I want to hire the right people and get qualified people. And I want the process to be as painless as possible, right? I don't want to interview 50 applicants that are the right fit. I want qualified people that have the skills and talent, but also that care about people on the planet and care about the kind of things that we work on as a company. So I'm, I'm literally going to follow these things to a T. And even if you're not ready to hire, I hope that you at least go to Katrina's website sign up for their email list, and just keep an eye out for what Katrina's doing. Because when you are in the spot to hire, I can't imagine a better guide or resource to help you along the journey. So I'm really excited for next week's episode with Dale Wilkinson. Dale is the founder of Good Gigs, who helps mission-driven companies connect with people who want to use their skills for good. And he's also the host of the Good Makers podcast that helps listeners live their purpose through interviews with social entrepreneurs and change makers. So definitely, definitely listen next week. And if you have yet to leave a review for the podcast, it would mean the world. If you would jump on to Apple Podcasts, onto iTunes, and leave a short review. Let me know you're listening. Let me know a particular guest that maybe you really liked. Or if you really liked Katrina's episode, tell us what you learned. That would really help us grow the reach of this show. We're on episode 10, and it's been amazing how many people have been listening to this podcast. And I know there's people out there who are looking to start, grow, and scale companies with purpose. So leaving a review would be really helpful in that mission. So thanks again, and I'll see you next week. (laughs) 